0: Good evening and welcome to steadfast i'm so glad to be here with you tonight as we wrap up our series forwarding christmas over the last few weeks we've been thinking about how we are called to carry the joy that we celebrated at christmas along with us into this new year and as we go deeper into january we arrive at the question what do i do with that joy in the ordinary what do I do in the boring moments, the plain moments, the, the nondescript everyday life moments? God calls us to care about those. And we thought about that in a sense last week when we thought about how God cares about every single moment of our lives and, and how he has orchestrated the things that we, we do. He's given us gifts. He's given us the, the opportunities to serve. He's done all these things because he cares. But somehow still, we we look at those very ordinary moments and we think of them as somehow less. But tonight, let's come before our God and ask that he guide us and then think about how the ordinary moments are very important to our extraordinary God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening and for every person gathered here tonight that we get to come and, and look at your word and think about how we carry it into this new year, that we we take what we celebrate from it at time and we don't let it go because we know that that word is what tells us that you don't let us go and that the miracle of Christmas is about your holding on to us in, in every circumstance of life, even the ordinary ones. Lord, would you guide us tonight? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I was reading the other day about a conference that was shut down after the pandemic hit. There were a bunch of conferences that suffered this fate. And so maybe it was fitting that a conference entitled The Boring Conference was one of those that suffered the same fate as every other conference last year and the year before, it seemed. It was announced. It was actually the 10th Boring Conference. That would have been sort of an extraordinary, ordinary kind of conference, and it didn't get to happen, and now it looks like the Boring Conference is never going to happen again. The site's just gone. It doesn't even have a, a farewell letter. It just sort of vanished. Fitting for a conference entitled The Boring Conference. The the Boring Conference marketed itself saying that nothing of importance would be talked about there, that it was a waste of time and money, and you could surely do something better with both. And yet you could go and register if you want it. And it started as a somewhat of a joke from a man who heard out this conference that was supposed to be focused on just utter, utterly amazing things that got canceled. And he thought, well, he could fill the time with a conference that talked about those things that are boring. For example, he'd like to talk about the global economics of the wooden pallet for a very long time. And those were the sorts of talks that took place at the boring conference. The idea being these are everyday, average, ordinary things and so to talk about them is not just ordinary, but boring. That's how we often think. We, we think of, of the ordinary stuff of life, and we often think, well, that's just boring. When do I get to the next moment that is extraordinary? When do I go from thinking about the global economics of the wooden pallet back to something amazing, like a new invention that's going to revolutionize the way everybody lives? When do we do those things? When, uh, as we think about how we we go through the year, will we get to some other event or day to look forward to? Here we are in January, and so maybe if you're a football fan, you're looking forward to the Super Bowl. So there's an extraordinary day. Or you're looking forward to to Valentine's Day or Easter or or Memorial Day and the, the opening of the boating season in a few months. All these different things that we might look forward to. We find ourselves looking for those extraordinary moments because we start to think of everyday life as just boring, something to get through to get there. And we can fall into that even as we think about our calling and how God has called us to do his work. We, we think about the ordinary moments when we're just doing ordinary stuff. We think, this is boring. I can't wait for the moment when God gives me something extraordinary to do. But the ordinary moments... Those boring moments are the moments that are often the moments that God uses to prepare for the extraordinary. And we see that when we turn back to Luke chapter 2, if you'd turn there with me. After all the stuff that we've been looking at over the last few weeks, and we looked at in our 12 Days devotional about Simeon and Anna coming up and exclaiming about who this baby was and the amazing things he would do, it wraps up, the story wraps up, Luke says... And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. So this extraordinary thing happened. These extraordinary things happened. And there were a few others that Luke doesn't go into. For example, the flight to Egypt and the wise men and all all that, that, that is something that we just were thinking about at Epiphany last week. Those things happened. But the thing that Luke wants us to think about is after the extraordinary stuff that he's talking about and sharing with us about the birth of Jesus, what happens next? What happens next is Mary and Joseph and Jesus go home. They, they ultimately arrive back in their hometown and they live normal, ordinary life. How does Luke summarize what they were doing in those moments? He he first mentions that, that Mary and Joseph were were traveling. They were at the temple because they were faithful to the law. They were fulfilling what God had called them to do. And so as they were moving back into the ordinary, what were they doing? They were doing the things that a faithful person following the Lord should do. And then it got even more ordinary. You might even say boring. Why is it that the Gospels don't tell us what happened during Jesus' childhood? It's not that people weren't curious. There were plenty of people that made up stories about what Jesus did during his childhood. Because people wanted to know. Why didn't the Gospel writers go into it in depth? Because I, I think the strong indication is it was pretty straightforward. Now, he was Jesus. He was the sinless Son of God. But in so many ways, he went about ordinary daily life like all of us do. Mary and Joseph went through ordinary daily life. They still had the ordinary demands of life. They had to raise Jesus as a child and protect him and teach him. One of the mysteries of the Incarnation, that he was both a human child and also God Almighty. They had to go to work, or Joseph did. Mary had to do who knows what we don't know if there if jesus had half siblings for sure but it sure looks like it uh some people have tried to debate that but certainly as we go into scripture it seems to indicate that there were indeed half siblings of jesus so mary was taking care of all the kids there were just normal everyday things and and in that it probably would have been relatively easy to outright forget the extraordinary had happened Or to say, why did that extraordinary happen and now we're just in the boring and ordinary? But in that ordinary, God calls us simply to do what Mary and Joseph are said to have done. To be faithful. To think, what is it that God's called me to do every day of my life? Not just in the special days, the holidays, the, the celebrations, the miraculous moments. What has God called me to do on a normal, average every day, Monday in January, and then tomorrow on a Tuesday in January, and a Wednesday, and a Thursday. What has he called me to do in that? And the challenge for us is that scripture says time and again, what we do in every single day, including those days when the extraordinary has passed, is to simply do the faithful thing. And that's sometimes harder in those moments because when the angels are singing and the miracles are happening, it's pretty easy to think, well, I guess I should pay attention to what God wants me to do. But when I'm simply trying to figure out what it is that I'm going to eat for dinner or what I'm going to do at the project at the office or even how I'm going to plan different things going on with family and friends, just the normal everyday stuff that we do, It becomes so much easier to just put our head down and focus on, I'm just going to get through this and get to that next thing. And we forget that God calls us to be worried about doing the faithful in those moments. To, as we've talked about the last few weeks, wait in those moments. And and almost without description, we see in the next few verses, Luke indicating there was a lot of waiting because look where he jumps to in verse 40. It says, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went on a day's journey. But when they then began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And after three days they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, Why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. So we do get to go to an extraordinary moment here, but we're told it's 12 years after those other extraordinary moments we've been looking at. So that's a a fairly long wait. Now, you might say, well, my life is boring. I, I don't even have... God breaking in and doing extraordinary things every 12 years. And and fair enough, most of us don't experience angel choirs ever. And so that's true, but still consider it. 12 years is a long time. And even if something amazing happened to you 12 years ago, by the time you get to the 12th year, it's really easy to have become so enmeshed in just the average everyday life again that you forget, that you start to take it for granted, that you you forget what the extraordinary really even was. And when we forget what the extraordinary even was, then we start to miss the extraordinary happening around us. Now, to be sure, as Mary and Joseph make their way back to Jerusalem, they'd spent a lot of time fretting. We're told they looked around Jerusalem for three days looking for Jesus. So when they find him, it shouldn't exactly surprise us that that they're focused on, why would you make us look for you? Mary is saying what what were you trying to do you trying to kill me here you you you, this is ridiculous but think about what extraordinary thing was happening right in front of her as she was fretting about the very right but ordinary thing of what happens to what happened to jesus you know is he okay where is he He was sitting there in the temple asking questions and talking with great authority with the legal scholars that were in the temple. Something incredibly extraordinary. It gives us a hint of what Luke means at the beginning of of this passage we just read where, where it says that he grew in great wisdom. Because we we see there, he obviously has great wisdom. He has wisdom that's coming from someplace other than Mary and Joseph, not because they were, were dumb, but they were average. They weren't going to amaze the teachers of the law with their insights into the, into the law. But here it was, Jesus at 12. He's not even considered an adult yet. He has another year to go in, in the customary cutoff point in the ancient world for, for when someone would be an adult. He, he has He's still a child, and... He's amazing the teachers of the law. Mary misses it. And I don't blame her for missing it. But it does remind us that sometimes in our frustrations, in our worries, in the things that wrap us up that are very ordinary, normal things of life, we miss the extraordinary going on. But I don't want to spend the whole time beating up on Mary and Joseph because the other important point is that we see that they were doing an awful lot right. For those 12 years, what was happening? Jesus was growing up. He was growing in wisdom and knowledge. He was growing into a man. And in that, what were Mary and Joseph doing? They were providing him a safe place to do so. They were raising him up as a human being. And they did all the normal stuff day in and day out to get to the point that there he was in the temple doing that amazing thing. Now, indeed, John says in in verse 40, let's take a look at it again, that Jesus grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And that sounds really impressive, and it is really important. But even there, it's interesting to note that Luke used a very similar description, if we go back a chapter, to describe John the Baptist growing up, where he writes, "...and the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance." to Israel. So, in some sense, Luke is using a standard device to summarize someone growing up. Now, he does have some subtle and important differences in the life of Jesus, but if you were Mary and Joseph going through everyday life, it'd be very easy to miss those subtle differences. Yeah, Jesus seemed a little more astute. Yeah, Jesus didn't get upset and he didn't have to be scolded. He never had to be grounded. He didn't need these things that human children typically will need. He didn't He didn't get into fights with people and come home with another kid screaming that he'd given that kid a bloody nose. He didn't do those things because we're told that he was without sin. But you'd get used to that if you were Mary and Joseph. you get used to that, yeah, Jesus doesn't get into a lot of trouble but there was still just ordinary life. And in that, we see that, like John, the big emphasis here over time is that Jesus was growing up. And because of that ordinariness, then, we see this response when Jesus answers Mary's question about why he was at the temple, leaving them scared and searching for him. Take a look in verse 49. So And it And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. So Mary says, why were you there? And Jesus says something amazing. It's the first thing we see in Luke's gospel of Jesus testifying to who he is. He says, I'm at my dad's house in the temple. Why? Because the Heavenly Father is my Father. And of course Mary and Joseph knew this in a sense, but it just goes right over their head in the moment because they're just focused on that ordinary concern. So something amazing's happening there. But it's just wrapped into the ordinary. And the extraordinary things that God does in our lives, oftentimes we don't even realize they're extraordinary. We They just go right by us, just like that saying did to Mary and Joseph, because we're so wrapped up in the ordinary. We're just in the boring. But if we're talking about boring, it reminds me of what my my godmother always liked to say, which is that boring people are boring. And it's a really helpful saying if you think about it for a second, because, and she would say this as an elementary school teacher, the kids in her class is always saying, I'm so bored. Well, boring people are boring. Boring people are boring. And we all spend a lot of time, it seems like, these days, complaining about how we're bored. We have more time to entertain ourselves and and to rest and relax in some ways than at any time in history before. And we find ways too often to become bored. And in that, when we go from, okay, I'm in an ordinary moment to I'm in a boring moment, is an important shift. Because when we go from, okay, I'm just doing the ordinary daily things of life to, I'm just bored. We're setting ourselves up to miss the extraordinary. And we're, we're, we're setting ourselves up to miss out on the usefulness of those ordinary moments that God's going to use to accomplish his plan, to accomplish his plans for us and for other people. Just like those ordinary moments of raising up Jesus, those times that he was simply sitting at the dinner table, those times that he was just going about the house or he was sleeping, those ordinary moments in the ordinary moments that God gives us, are we saying, here's an ordinary moment to be cherished because this is something from God, or are we saying, oh, I'm bored? Are we becoming those boring people? We need to ask ourselves that. Because too often we fall into that trap, and, and, and as we wait for God to act, it's so easy to just fall into that trap. But waiting is active. Waiting for Jesus's ministry was an active pursuit for Mary and Joseph. They didn't just set the baby Jesus in the house and say, okay, see you in 30 years. I can't wait to see what you do. As they waited to see what was going to become of the promised Messiah that, and see how all this culmination of this miraculous was going to happen, they weren't called just to sit there. They were called to actively be faithful. How am I using the waiting times, the boring times, the ordinary times in my life? Think about this for a moment, because for, for Mary and Joseph, yes, this was an ordinary time, and yet the Son of God, God incarnate in the flesh, was letting them raise him. What an Amazing thing. Take a look at verse 51. As they go back down after the temple incident, what does young Jesus do? He, It says he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them, and his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He goes back home, and he's a child to them. And in that, he was giving them something amazing. And we see there that Mary, as she looks at that, sees the extraordinary in that ordinary. What's the extraordinary in our ordinary? Because when you think about it, okay, so we're not, none of us are, are raising up the Messiah. But God is going to use our ordinary moments to bring more people into His kingdom, to bring new life to people who are spiritually dead, who, who don't have any hope at all, to help people in this world and show His love and compassion. Those aren't ordinary things, but there are things that happen in our ordinary moments. He uses those ordinary people that he places in those ordinary moments, people like you and me. And he lets us dwell in those moments. And he uses that to do preparation, to prepare us as ordinary people to go and do in our normal, what you might call our native habitat. For example, we looked at this in the 12 Days of Christmas booklet, the, the amazing story of the, the healing of the demoniac, where he has all the demons cast out of him later on in Luke, just a few chapters ahead from where we've been. He he has that extraordinary rescue from Jesus, and then what does Jesus tell him to do in Luke eight thirty nine? Jesus says, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Jesus doesn't say, come on this tour with me, come around and and see all the amazing miracles I'm going to do. He doesn't offer him the opportunity to become one of the, the apostles. What does Jesus do with this ordinary man who's been rescued in an extraordinary way? He says, go and tell the people around you, the ordinary people, in your ordinary life, what God has done for you. That's what he calls us to do. Jesus offers rescue for each and every one of us. Anyone who trusts in Jesus receives the gospel, receives his grace, receives his healing, receives eternal life. Those are pretty extraordinary things. If you Think about it. What does he do? He leaves us right here, smack dab in our ordinary life and says, go into that ordinary life and testify. Go into that ordinary life and let people know what God has done for you, And he does that, like I said, with ordinary people. Okay, so the demoniac, yeah, he, he's had an extraordinary existence up to a point. But it doesn't say that there's anything particularly unusual about him. There isn't even anything particularly unusual about the disciples. That's what causes some of the reactions they go out and preach after Jesus' ascension. Take a look at Acts chapter 4. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John... And perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So, what do they? What happens there? Well, the the teachers of the law, they're they're looking at these men, and they say, "Wow, you know, we don't like that they're causing all this trouble for us. That they're teaching about Jesus, but, but." These are ordinary, common men. These are lay people. These aren't trained theologians. These aren't pastors with with seminary degrees. These aren't aren't uh, special evangelists who've gone around the world in after some kind of special training by other evangelists. They haven't had the torch passed down to them from generation to generation of pastoral ministry. They haven't been in the synagogue proclaiming with authority and engaging in the Hebrew text all the time. They're ordinary, common men. But they have an extraordinary message because they recognize in their ordinary lives as ordinary people, God has called them to extraordinary work. That's what he's called us to as well. And and Peter himself, surely reflecting on this call that had fallen on his ordinary life, says this in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says to each believer, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That doesn't sound very ordinary, but it speaks to us. It doesn't speak to those who have extraordinary callings. It doesn't speak to even those who are relatively ordinary, but are specially trained pastors or evangelists. Or, or, or theologians, or professors, or, or other authorities that are teaching God's word. Sure, some of us have have more training or less training. Some of us have have specialized callings in the church. But what does Peter say? Look at that again. He says there that all of us are chosen. That you, that you and that you applies to all of us may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness. He doesn't say, and he's called the teachers. He's called the pastors. He's called the elders. He says, he's called you. He's called me. He's called all of us to proclaim. Because the boring, the ordinary isn't boring. It's where God works. It's where God dwells with us each and every day. And so how do we take this joy of Christmas? How do we forward Christmas into the year? We go boldly into the ordinary. Recognizing that in the ordinary is where we find God working in us and in the people around us. And we share that joy. We testify to what he's done. Because the boring isn't boring when we find God there. Would you pray with me, please? Father, too often we we look ahead at the things you've given us to do, and it doesn't look that special to us. It doesn't look that important to us. And we almost just want to ignore it, downplay it. Say the 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 work of your of proclaiming your gospel, the work of sharing your gospel, that's stuff for for other people, trained people, specialized people, people with extraordinary stories, not our ordinary ones. But Lord, would you help us to see how each of us has an extraordinary story because each of us, as we encounter you, encounters the God of the universe who says he loves us and will hold us in his presence, will call us into his presence forever and ever. And in that, would you help us to see the extraordinary in our ordinary moments? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're beginning a new series next week. We've been talking about carrying Christmas forward, but here's the other challenge. Of course, many moments are ordinary, but many moments are are not just ordinary, and sometimes we long for those ordinary moments because many moments are actually very dark and scary and uncertain. And so we're going to begin a brand new series called Joy in the Dark. It's at the it's drawing off the, the very first chapter of the letter to the Philippians. Paul's in prison. And what does Paul have to say as he writes to these, these Philippians? He's, he writes about joy. And I, I think all of us could could use some help thinking about how in the challenges of life, and I think most of us feel like this time period has been a challenging period, how do we go from from focusing on the darkness and the discouragement and the despair, and how do we instead have joy? And then how do we share that joy? So I hope you'll join me at 7 p.m. next week for that. Also, we're going through our brand new series on Sunday nights at on This Week at Little Hills, Songs for Our Temple, reading through the Book of Psalms this year. And I'd encourage you, you can see on screen that if you want to jump in, you haven't already started, it's not too late. Just start with Psalm 4 today. And then you can read Psalm 5, hopefully by Wednesday or so, and Psalm 6 by Friday. And if you go to grow.faithtree.com, you can actually post comments. We'll have a spot every single week where you can share things that that strike you about the psalms that you're reading, questions you have, and those of us that are are doing the little video devotionals will be on there and be happy to, to chat with you and to share what we're discovering as we're going through the psalms too. It's going to be a great time, so please do start and then join us at 7.30 every Sunday night as we kick off the week and think about the next set of psalms. Well, if there's any way I can be praying for you this week, I would love to hear from you feel free to shoot me an email at the email address on screen. You can also leave a comment in the comments below and and we can pray for each other together. And also, as we go into this week and you think about whatever ordinary or extraordinary things that are ahead for you this week, we are called to share. And if you were encouraged by this video, please consider giving it a like. Please consider following us and please consider sharing this video so that more can be told that our extraordinary God is in each and every person's ordinary moments. I hope you have a wonderful and blessed week, and I'll see you again next week.